Courtney is a total show-off. She thinks she's so brave and always making Eddie and his friends look like wimps. But now Eddie's decided he's had enough. He's going to scare Courtney once and for all. And he's come up with the perfect plan. He's going to lure Courtney down to Muddy Creek. Because Eddie knows Courtney believes in that silly rumor about the monsters. Mud monsters that live in the creek. Too bad Eddie doesn't believe the rumor. Because it just might be true. You Can't Scare Me is this week's book on the Goose Down. Alright, welcome back for some, welcome for the first time for others, to The Goose Down. Uh, my name is Cameron Hawkins, host of the South Congress Podcast, producer of the South Congress Podcast Network, and The Goose Down is where I review each and every one of the books in R.L. Stein's classic Goosebumps series. So, um, this week's story is going to be You Can't Scare Me which was preceded by The Werewolf of Fever Swamp, and the next week's book will be One Day at Horrorland. So, last week when we talked about The Werewolf of Fever Swamp, uh, kind of my biggest thing was the pacing. Um, wasn't a huge fan of kind of the way that the story was set up, how you didn't really get to what seemed to be the issue or at least what was touched on in the title, until almost the very end of the story. So yeah, the pacing was just kind of off all around. Now, um, whereas I had issues with that story, they are way worse than this one. Um, You know, it's really a story of four terrible punk-ass kids. I don't know how else to say it. Um, I try to kind of keep the language to a minimum on this show in particular, but yeah, like, I don't know what else to say about these kids. So, basically, you have Eddie, Molly, Charlene, and Hat. They call Hat Hat because Hat always wears a hat. But you have these four kids who are really good friends. They do everything together. And there's one girl in their class named Courtney. Courtney is like that super know-it-all, um, always first to things, always the center of attention, always contributes to the conversation kit. Um, and it's really about them trying their hardest to bully Courtney. Like, aside from being, like, kind of grating, she doesn't actually, like, commit any type of conflict to these other kids. She's just kind of good at everything and it bothers them to no end and so it's about us following these kids as they try to get one over on somebody who does not have the same energy for them um 
kind of similar to be careful what you wish for, but that, that was a bit more sinister on both sides, I guess. But yeah, this is all one-sided hatred and vitriol from a group of kids. Um, and I think that R.L. Stein realized that was the story he was telling, and so we don't ever really feel sympathy for these other kids. Like, we don't get uh, deep-rooted family stories, or who's going to miss them if something goes wrong, or who values how they feel. Like, there's none of that in this story, and I think that's done very much on purpose. So, let's um, let's kind of dive into it. So, it's set in random place in California. Um, we get that because later on in the story, one of the kids talks about how they moved there from Michigan and how it affected their dog. Uh, so, you have Eddie and the other kids going on a class field trip. Um, and this is told all from Eddie's perspective, as a matter of fact. So, it is a first-person story told by Eddie. Um, they go on this trip to a place called Green Forest, and their teachers have them write down everything, whether it's wildlife or plant life. Eddie's not super into it, but he loves going on field trips. So, his initial goal is to scare this girl, Courtney. And the reason that he wanted to do it, uh, they kind of explain. So, the kids don't like how perfect she is. Um... So Eddie, Molly, Charlene, and Herbie, a uh, hat as they call him, um, are on the trip. And at one point, um, Eddie stumbles and falls and is afraid of being bitten by a snake. Um, and, you know, the way Arl Stein tells his stories, at the end of every chapter, you get this big fear and dread or foreshadowing of something to come. So a chapter ends where he's talking about, like, this big snake about to bite him. Courtney pops up stops the snake and when they look at it it's like a you know garden variety garden snake nothing to be afraid of and she very matter of factly like this is the thing you were afraid of like this can't even do anything um and she says i'm like you know out of nowhere now at one point later in the trip um they see all the kids and the teachers surrounding courtney and she actually has two bumblebees on her and they're like in her palm and crawling around her hand. And she matter-of-factly talks about how bees don't do anything to you unless they're afraid. Um, you know, you're 11 years old. Like, you know, if you've seen my girl, you're deathly afraid of bees, right? And this is around that time. So <laughs> the bees are on her. And then she playfully throws them towards Eddie and Hat. They freak out. And all the classmates laugh at him because nobody's going to use bees to attack you. So this was like an all in good fun thing that she did. So while they're riding the bus back, the four of them come up with a plan to scare Courtney. And as they're talking about what they should do, you know, the snake thing just happened. So Molly, one of the girls in the group, and you have Molly and Charlene who are said to look almost exactly alike except one of them has braces and freckles but um yeah she's like my brother has this big rubber snake that he keeps in his drawer um i'm gonna borrow it and we'll use it to scare so they get to school and they say that in their classroom because they're you know 11 so they're sixth seventh graders they bring their lunches in they don't put their lunches in lockers they keep them in the classroom and so they know Courtney's lunch 
because her parents always give her like a double lunch that she can't eat. So she's popular with the other kids because she always shares her lunch. So again, Courtney not doing anything wrong to anybody, um, being helpful to kids. Um, they just see it as such a slight. So there's like, okay, when nobody's looking, we're going to put the snake in Courtney's lunch bag. So they do it, but Mr. Melvin, their teacher, says that he forgot his lunch. Um, so Courtney, having two lunches, offers him some. He finds a snake in the bag and screams. Courtney, upon seeing this, runs up to the snake and starts to stomp on it. So even the snake that's like of a size you should be deathly afraid of, she wasn't scared at all. So she actually breaks the snake. So... <laughs> Not only do they like fail at scaring her, but she breaks the snake. So now Molly has to explain to her older brother what happened to his rubber snake. So they take two L's on this one, right? So plan fails. They're walking home from school. Um, Eddie and Hat. They see uh, Mrs. Rudolph, uh, his neighbor. And she's like, can you help me? My cat is stuck in a tree. And she's like, you know, you're an 11-year-old boy. Like, y'all all climb trees. So Eddie starts to climb the tree, and he is deathly afraid. Like, he's a kid who's afraid of heights. Perfectly normal, right? Who shows up? Courtney. She immediately climbs up the tree, saves the cat, brings it down safely. And Mrs. Rudolph makes fun of Eddie for not being able to help her. Like, that's mean. Like, they can't control if he's afraid of heights but she like chastises him for not doing it i would have been like take your old ass up there and get the cat if the cat matters so much to you i don't know if i've said it on the show but i'm allergic to cats so you know not that that has anything to do with this cats are fucking disgusting okay so next day they come up with a new plan to scare her they're like the snake didn't work we know she's not afraid of snakes so what other creature can we find to frighten her they come up with the idea to go to their science class and steal a tarantula and drop it on her head. So after school, Eddie and Hat go to the science room. They find the tarantula. They get a plastic container, put some holes in it, and they scoop up the tarantula. So they hear their science teacher coming, so they hide in the cabinet, right? They realize that they can't open the cabinet and that the tarantula has fallen out of the container. So they're stuck in tight quarters with this tarantula. Um, the teacher leaves because um, they, they hear a teacher coming, so that's what they hid in there. Teacher leaves. They manage to get away, get the tarantula. Everything's fine. Again, it's more of that R.L. Stein end of chapter. Oh my God, this thing is crawling on me. Um, so the next day, they get up on the balcony before Jim. Molly and uh, Molly and Charlotte end up. Make sure I'm getting the girl's name right. Uh, Molly and Charlene. I'm sorry. Molly and Charlene end up uh, kind of luring Courtney to where they can drop the tarantula onto her head so that she freaks out. Like nobody cannot react to that, right? So they they get in their position. They bring her to the spot. Hat's the one that's going to drop the tarantula onto Mo, uh, yeah onto Courtney. 
he misses and drops it on Molly. So their friend ends up getting it dropped on her, freaks out. Um, every, she's screaming. Everybody's going nuts. And then Eddie and Hack get caught by their gym teacher. And they end up having to clean the science lab for two weeks. Really, not, not that much of a crime. Like, no detention. You just have to do some extra work. So they get away with that. Okay. They failed twice at trying to scare this girl. So now they're like, what other plan can we come up with? Plan number three. Eddie has an older brother named Kevin. He's 11. Eddie's in high school. So you have to put, um, or yeah, Eddie's 11. Kevin, his older brother, is in high school. So you have to put him around, you know, 16, 17. So I guess there's enough of an age gap to where he would kind of pick on his brother. Like me and my brother and sister are seven years apart. So we're like just too far for that but it was never like that be mean to your kid brother or kid sister thing but i guess they're right at that age so kevin has been making this movie about the mud monsters and so here's where the story kind of comes in and this is why i say it's paced weird the cover art is of mud monsters and you don't get the lore of the mud monsters until damn near the end of the book but the local legend goes like this um, the mud monsters live in the green forest. Um, part human, part monster. Basically, there were a bunch of poor people who lived out in the woods. Um, they wanted supplies from town in order to build up their village. The town wouldn't give them supplies and wouldn't give them anything on credit. So once again, capitalism fails us. Um, wouldn't give them anything on credit. So one day there was a storm and everybody in the village drowned. And now they come out every full moon or every, you know, hundred years on a full moon in order to exact their revenge on the townsfolk. Folktale, right? Um, but I guess Kevin being a teenager of that time made uh, like a home movie for his high school class about the monsters. And they made costumes and they had hiding spots and all kinds of stuff like this. So Eddie asked Kevin for advice on scaring Courtney. He's like, you've been going about it wrong. You've been trying to scare her with small stuff. You got to try to scare her with something big, like a big dog. So Eddie gets back with his friends. And they're like, yo, my brother says we should get a big dog to scare her. Like, that'll do it. And Charlene's like, okay, we can get my dog, Buttercup. And he's like, Buttercup? Like, your dog's not going to do anything. So she starts to do this whistle that you can't really hear. And the dog runs up to her and grabs And she explains, he's perfectly harmless, except when somebody does that. He won't attack, but he'll growl and scare. So they're like, okay, we know Courtney has a treehouse in the woods. We'll go scare her while she's there. Um, So they go out there to scare. They wait on her to show up. Before she shows up, uh, the dog runs off. Um, Everybody chases after the dog. Eddie, of course, that's who we're following. He ends up getting lost. Uh, when they meet back up, they think about going home. Like, oh, well, the dog ran home, I'm sure. Um, as they're seeing this, another big dog shows up. And they're terrified. Um, but they end up getting away from that dog, too. When they decide to finally go home, they pull up on... Uh, they get out the woods and they see Courtney. She has that dog beside her and the other dog. Um, so they're like, yeah, once again, Courtney has beaten us at our own game. Even the dogs, both dogs are friendly to her. So they don't know what to do at this point. Um, so he's just about giving up. 
and Eddie's walking home, and at this point, he's by himself. Out of nowhere, he suspects that he's being chased, and he runs home. That's when it hits him. We've been trying to scare this girl at regular locales when she's comfortable during the day. No matter who you are, you're going to be more afraid at night. That's all the plan, really. Again, these kids are terrible bullies, picking on somebody who's never done anything to them. Um, so, as he's trying to come up with the plan, we get to the next day at school. And it comes up in class, they're talking about monsters, right? And Courtney, out of, and the teacher basically says, you know, people create monsters to try to justify the things they can't explain or to try to justify the wrongs that people do. When they can't make sense of it, they like to place blame on a monster. This is when you finally see kind of the first chink in Courtney's armor. Courtney stands up and is like, hey, I believe in the Loch Ness Monster. I believe in Bigfoot. My uncle's a scientist. He says there's evidence of it. I don't see why it can't be true. And I'm like, okay, she thinks monsters are real. So if we present her with a monster... We can get her. Like again, if if this story is told, I think in a different way, um, and, and it could be as much as cover art because it's not until the final part of the book that you get anything about a mud monster plan. Like that's does not a running theme. Pretty much every other book kind of runs the gamut throughout the whole thing or the cover art describes what you're dealing with the whole time i understand the way that this story is told that's kind of hard to tell but you look at the cover art which you know for goosebumps is always in the forefront especially with the children's book and you you're like where are my monsters where are my monsters showing up but okay let's get back to it so this is when they come up with the plan eddie goes to kevin he's like kevin you and your friends have these mud monsters costumes can you please use them to scare this girl at my school? Kevin's like, yo, why would I do that? Like, I don't want no part of this. Eddie agrees to do his chores for a month. Kevin agrees to help him out. So they come up with the plan to lure Courtney to the woods at night. And it's actually really cool how they do it. Um, and again, this is at the point where Eddie tells the story that I told you about people living out in the woods, a flood coming, the people in town doing nothing to help, and how they come up out the ground looking for revenge, right? So earlier, Molly tried to call Courtney, disguised as another girl, that she can imitate her voice perfectly, to try to get her out the house. It turns out that girl was at the house with Courtney, so it didn't work. So this is what she tells her. She calls her and says, hey, Come help me look for mud monsters in the woods. Like, flat out. And Cordy's like, why would I do that? Like, that's stupid. You go look for them, and if you see them, let me know. And this is where they start to appeal to her ego. Molly says, hey, well, you know, I'm going to go find some monsters. I understand if you're scared of them, but I'm going to go look for them. So I'll let you know how it goes. And this is where Courtney's like, no, 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 no. I have to be part of this. Because the thing about her is she does have to prove to everybody how good she is at everything and I guess that's what rubs these kids the wrong way so the four kids who are plotting on Courtney agree to meet in the woods she she shows up with her friend Denise Molly says hi to him um as they're talking the three mud monsters show up to scare them and they don't seem to see them and then like Eddie's sitting there like man Kevin you really got them and then he turns around, and there are three mud monsters behind him. And he looks closely. He's like, wait, 
That's Kevin. And this is where Kevin's like, I had a flat tire. Eddie does not know what's going on. And he's like, well, if they're here, who are the other mud monsters? And they all run away screaming, realizing that these are the real monsters, right? Um, And so that's the action of the book. Like, I've told you all of the physical action of this story. They see monsters and they run away. But to kind of retell what I've been saying the whole time about how these kids are like bad kids and don't really deserve good things to happen to them. We jump to two weeks later and here's what happens. Courtney is bragging to everybody about how she saw real mud monsters. And this is where Eddie finally has to say, yo, we can't scare her because we aren't brave enough to scare her. We cannot create a situation where we aren't equally as frightened. Courtney wins. So, yeah, that that's the long and short of the story. Like, a person who is the antagonist, essentially, wins. Um, and you kind of get it told in a third-person way. Like, you're basically being told off-screen how it ends. It's like a cheap video game ending that doesn't have full CG. They just kind of draw pictures. And some places do it well. Like, Injustice does it well. Mortal Kombat does it well. But it just is so anticlimactic. Like, you did get to see three mud monsters, but you get no explanation outside of that. So, like, yeah, it's... That's like two books in a row. This and Werewolf of Fever Swamp, where things just kind of end abruptly. You wonder, you know, if that 120 or so page limit, um, at least in these cases, are preventing him from telling good stories. Because some of the most memorable stories in Goosebumps are books that have sequels and end up being trilogies or quadrilogies or go on and go forth but we're talking haunted mask we're talking monster blood we're talking uh, night of the living dummy like those are good and part of the reason is those stories continued uh but as a standalone like this just the page limit really kind of hurt this even though there are like four distinctive parts the way that it ended um, you just kind of get such an abrupt finish to something that had been building and building and building. Um, and you just end up realizing that the four kids you're supposed to be rooting for are losers. So yeah, <laughs> that's about what I have. Um, if you're listening to this for the first time, um, or if you've been listening and you haven't quite been helping out, um, please vote for the South Congress podcast in the Austin Chronicles Best of 2019 poll. I will include a link to that page um, in the show description. So whatever platform you listen to it on, you will see a link to vote for that. Please, please, please. Um, Got some really, uh, I think, good shows over here working with some really talented and hardworking people. Um, We'd love to have them recognized for all the hard work that they do. Please leave us a good review on whatever platform you listen to. And questions, comments, and concerns, email us at southcongress at gmail.com. Again, southcongress at gmail.com. So, again, this was You Can't Scare Me, uh, book number 15 in the Goosebumps series. My name is Cameron Hawkins, and thank you so much for joining me on this week's episode of The Goose Down. Want to support the show? Want a specific topic, comic, show, or movie discussed? Supporting the South Congress podcast on Patreon allows you to dictate the conversation. Visit patreon.com slash Seahawk for details on how you can support and guide the show. 